Hello and welcome to the second episode of We Could Be Euros, the new football podcast brought to you by JPI Media. Yes, we've made it to a second episode. The powers that be either didn't hear some of the awful jokes in episode one, or they're just hoping that the sequel is better than the original. Fingers crossed then that we are more Godfather 2 than Dumber and Dumber 2. Speaking of Dumber and <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, no, sorry, that's harsh. We have an excellent array of guests tonight, including one very special man who we will come on to in a little while. First, though, our very own Don Hutchinson, half, half Sassanac, half Scott, Graham Falk of the Scotsman. Alongside him, we have a fully-fledged Scott, the Motherwell Times' Craig Goldthorpe, and a man whose allegiance can absolutely not be questioned, our very special guest this evening, and until this week, the last man to manage Scotland at an international tournament. It's Mr Craig Brown. Craig, thank you for joining us. A pleasure. Look forward to being with you. Thanks. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. I hope you're all well and enjoyed, in some way, the games over the last 24 or 48. I was only one place to start, really, and that's with Scotland's game. We are recording this podcast just a couple of hours after the end of the game at Hampden Park, which saw Scotland unfortunately lose 2-0 to the Czech Republic. Craig, I believe you were at the game before speeding home with no traffic violations, I hope, to be on this podcast, which we really appreciate. What was your view on the game? Well, I think uh, my view is shared by most of the media people because driving back here to get to, to join you on, on my iPad, I heard the experts, the media guys afterwards. Now, I've got to say I agreed with them. The two that I was listening to in particular were Paul Lambert and Billy Dodds. They're both biased, of course. They're both Scots and both played for the national team. And uh, I agreed with their sentiments. They felt that we weren't bad. And I, I share that view. I don't think we were bad. I don't think we were good enough to win the game. But I don't think we were poor enough to lose the game. And my honest opinion is I think a draw would have been a fairer reflection on the play. And it all hinged, and this is my opinion, that's not their, my opinion, all hinged on one player. And uh, I think the, the striker, Patrick Smich, the striker from Bayern Leverkusen, who plays for the Czech Republic, is magnificent, or he was today. <laughs> and if you haven't seen his goal, his second goal, you have to see it. It was a Beckham-type goal from the halfway line. And they took our keeper... Uh, by surprise, I'm, I'm afraid it went right over his head into the net. And his first goal, an excellent header, marked by two big Scottish uh, experienced defenders. He managed to outjump them and time his jump and head to. So he scored with a header and first scored a great second goal. It'll be the goal of the tournament, I'm telling you, <laughs> when you see that one. Uh, so if you take these two goals out of the game, uh, the Czech Republic keeper had to make one or two very good saves to keep his team uh, with a clean sheet. Our keeper, too, had uh, a couple of very good saves, David Marshall, from uh, down from Derby. And David had... I hear the, the pundits, some of them anyway, faulting him for the goal, the second goal, the long range. It was 49 yards. I don't know how they get the 49, not just say 50, but 49 yards this shot. And it was a first-time strike from 49 yards, which was incredible. So take uh, Patrick Sheet out the team, and he's a 40 million signing, they say. Uh, although I checked it and it said 26.5 million. He was bought from uh, Roma to by Leverkusen. 
but he's a very, very expensive player, and that was the difference between the two teams. We'll come on to the nuts and bolts of the game with Graham and Craig in a second, but more generally, uh, Craig, what's it like to manage at an international tournament? Obviously, you did it in Euro 96 and the World Cup 1998. Um, can you remember that far back for one? Uh, <laughs> what will Steve Clark be feeling now? Well, I'm, I'm lucky in that I was at five major tournaments with Scotland, uh, three World Cups on the staff, and uh, the two, the only two European Championships have been at before this one. So it wasn't a new experience for me, you know, being at the opening game of a tournament. But it's a very, very exhilarating experience to be in a major tournament with Scotland. I was first. I first went with Sir Alec Ferguson. I invited me on the staff to go to Mexico in 1986. So it gives my age away. I'm the same age as uh, Sir Alec. So we went to Mexico in 1986. And uh, then I was, Andy Rocks was assistant in 1990 in Italy in the World Cup. Then I had the team myself in 98. So it, it's not a novelty now to me to be uh, at the opening game of a World Cup. Uh, but it's still, as I said earlier, an exhilarating experience. I was really up for it today. In fact, I probably was more <laughs> nervous and excited today than when I was working with the team. I just don't know why, because the country here in Scotland has, you know, it's come alive because uh, national teams playing in this tournament. And it's brilliant to see the interest in football and a number of replica strips in the street. And, you know, school, school teachers, I heard the head teacher, I was doing a podcast to a school in Greenock on Friday. And while I was talking to the youngsters in the class, an announcement came from the head teacher. I don't want to see any school uniforms on Monday. I want you all to wear the Scotland top or some tartan. And so therefore, it's captivated the nation, this tournament, and it's captivated me too. And I'm excited about it. Even though we lost the opening game, I still think we have a good opportunity to get to the knockout stage. And, and Craig, just to, to bring you in, what did you, you make of the Scotland game? And, and I suppose to, to um, dial into what Craig mentioned there, that the second Czech Republic goal was absolutely superb, brilliant strike with a left foot from 49 yards, as Craig mentioned. Is David Marshall to blame a little bit, perhaps? Or is he, you know, as Robertson touched on after the game, that's the way Scotland play. The goalkeeper needs to be high in the half um, to mop up the scraps and that's the way Scotland play and they're just going to have to deal with the fact that they got done by a, a real moment of quality Yeah I wouldn't blame David Marshall for the goal to be honest with you I think young boy Hendry's had a shot and the ball's come out fault of that striker who Craig says once went for 40 million so he's obviously <laughs> real quality there and I think he would only score that one maybe once out of 20 it was that good, it was just a phenomenal strike from that distance and you've just got to hold your hands up and say it was a moment of genius and we're just unfortunate to be in the end of it. Um, you know, Scotland, uh, it was just a ruthlessness that the Czechs had today that the Scots lacked. We had a lot of chances, we hit the bar, keeper made a lot of good saves and the Czechs didn't, they probably had less chances than us and much less possession but they scored two goals. It was a brilliant header by the lad for the first goal as Craig was saying as well. They got in between two of our centre-backs which maybe wasn't great and the boy that crossed it in wasn't closed down quickly enough. So there were there were mistakes, but I would say we also lacked luck, which going back, you know, over the years, Scotland has certainly lacked luck in these these tournaments. And I would say it happened again today. 
And the other thing I was going to say about it was I don't think Steve Clark got his team right at the start. You know, I think uh, there were guys on the bench that should have been playing. Uh, and I think you'll see a much change Scotland side. We've got an easy three points on Friday night, obviously, and you'll see a, yeah, see a much change Scotland side for that, I think. I imagine, Graham, that, that Craig's touching upon Shadams maybe didn't start up front, leaving Lyndon Dykes up top. What did you make of that tactical decision and how Steve Clark set up for the for the game against the Czech Republic today? I find it quite strange Shadams didn't start, and that's not a um, that that's no criticism of Lyndon Dykes, who I think does an awful lot of hard work for the team, and I think he, he does help an awful lot with the way that Steve Clark wants his side to play. I just felt when I first seen the side. I just felt a little bit like it looked like he was, I don't think anyone goes for a draw, but he was a little bit pragmatic when, and I know the Czech Republic has some really good players. They're probably being underestimated by probably the entirety of the group. Cause I think a few people were saying, well, you know, Scotland's beat them recently and, and they're not the side they were, but I just felt like today was a chance to really go for it. And I think the lineup, a lot of people that I was speaking to beforehand kind of went, well, I was up for it. And I've seen the lineup and I'm a bit like, Ugh. and I think, Shea Adams not being in it was the, the biggest surprise. I would have loved to see him play Billy Gilmore. I, I know that's, I know a lot of people say it's a big risk, but I think he took, obviously he took McGregor out with, which I agreed with, and, and Armstrong came in, who I thought had a good game. I thought Armstrong had a good game. He's had a good season, but Billy Gilmore's just got that little bit of magic that maybe outside of Robbo, Scotland probably don't have an abundance. So I would have, I would have probably gone with that as well. I was I was even more surprised to see him not come on. But I think Che Adams probably was is probably what Craig was alluding to before. Um, and I think he's seen the difference second half when he came on. There was just that little bit more quality. And, and um, I would be very surprised if he doesn't start on Friday against England. And and Craig Craig Brown that is how how big a blow. Well, I suppose two questions really. How big a blow was Kieran Tierney missing out today? And how big a boost could it be that he, he may be available for the England game on Friday? Well, I think it's a major blow that we lost him today because uh, he's uh, arguably he's been our best player. And he's been playing in the left centre-back in the back three and breaking from there marvellously well and, and breaking into midfield and even going forward and to hit the front of the team. So, you know, he, he was a, a major miss. And, you know, we were very unfortunate we hadn't him. And of course, we've got two midfield players who were unfit for the tournament, weren't in the, the, the squad, and that's Jack of Rangers, Ryan Jack and Kenny McLean from Norwich City. And both are very constructive players. Now, I was looking at the game today, it was crying out for someone in midfield to put his foot in the ball and make a pass. Now, uh, John McGinn's energy is unbelievable. He's tackling, he's everywhere, he's up, he's got a very good goal scoring record. And I'm looking at and McTominay's a very elegant, good player. But these these two that are missing, and it, you know, it's all right for us to talk about the uh, players who are missing. It's not an excuse. It's a reason why we possibly didn't have the passing that we could have had in midfield. And another man who would have done that would have been uh, Kieran Tierney. Now, we're hoping, I'm hoping and praying that he's ready for the game at uh, Wembley because I think he's tailor-made. <laughs> For, for playing down at Wembley because he does well in London every week. They're talking about him as a potential Arsenal captain. So, I mean, he's outstanding. And so, of course, is Robertson. We saw Robertson doing his usual brilliant play on the left, left-hand side wide. But with Tierney in behind him, tucked in there as the left centre-back, Scotland are a better team. 
Other than Tierney, do you, do you anticipate Steve Clark maybe making any changes for the England game? And, and if you were in the, the managerial dugout again, what changes would you possibly make? Well, I, I would say to you that the easiest team, I always say this, the easiest team to pick somebody else's. <laughs> <laughs> you don't make a mistake when you're picking somebody else's team because you don't have the responsibility to, to see it through. Uh, so it, it, it's totally inappropriate for me to try to pick the team. I can say the team that I would like to see, but I'll give you an example. I have never seen Adams, uh, Shea, Shea Adams, play in the flesh. I've never seen him. I've seen him on television. Now, how can I possibly have a, a valid opinion? The same with young Gilmer. I saw young Gilmer often when he was playing in the Rangers youth team up here. But uh, young Gilmer looks good as well. And I, the one thing I wouldn't do, I wouldn't put his age against him. Because, uh, as everyone knows, I keep reminding him, we played England at Wembley the last time uh, when it was trying to, it was a playoff match and we were two down, went down to Wembley. And the best player on the pitch was the youngest player on the pitch. And it was our midfield player, Ferguson. Now they had, or the English team, <laughs> you or they, had uh, Scholes, Beckham, Ince. You know, they had four top-class, world-class midfield players. And the best man in the park was age 20. And he strolled through it. Now, and if you look at the type, as I've done of that game, therefore I would not say, you know, the boy... Uh, uh, from Chelsea is too young. I would say he's maybe lacking in experience. He hasn't got the experience of our other midfield players, but I wouldn't put youth again. And then we brought on a young player, an even younger one. We brought on a boy, Mark Burchill, age 19. So if there's an argument for the young boys, but I'm going to say, and I'm quite honest, I wouldn't fault Steve Clark because international teams, successful ones, are old teams. You don't win things with young boys in the international arena. The team that won Euro 96 was Germany. They were the oldest team in the tournament. So uh, that's my opinion. But uh, <laughs> it would be lovely to see the young boys. And I wouldn't even, I, I'd be happy if he put uh, uh, the young fellows in. Turnbull as well. But uh, I think he'll stick maybe to tried and trusted, trusted guys. The one thing to, uh, to come out of that, Craig Goldthorpe, is that Scotland do have a few options now. Would you be tempted to use any of them? I would actually, yeah, we've got as good a squad now as what we've had for a while. And what Craig's saying there is right about young Gilmore. Uh, I don't happen to think Steve Clark will start him against England, but he possibly should, because uh, our midfield today, there was, it was just snuffed out. There wasn't really that killer pass that was played through. And uh, another point I was going to make, Andy Robertson had a good game overall, but he missed a right good chance to put his ahead uh, in the game. Uh, I think he should have actually buried that one, and that might have made all the difference in the game. Much as Andy, he was good. He was probably our best player, but that was a right blow that that was uh, tipped over the bar. So I think uh, it was in midfield and up front that there will be changes. Uh, I think there's a couple of boys that play for Celtic that could be drafted in and would do a job. Stephen O'Donnell didn't have his bet. I worked for the Motherwell Times, and Stephen O'Donnell, uh, he's not never let Scotland down in the past, but he didn't have a good game today. And you look at some of the guys that could be playing in that position, guys that have been playing, you know, for Celtic and high-level games in Europe, you feel maybe one of them could come in, like Forrest or McGregor, possibly one of them, or there's a young boy at Rangers, Patterson. The Rangers have just romped to the, the league title in Scotland by 25 points, so you think he might be a better bet, but we'll just need to see, uh, see what he does. The other one, uh, I agree with what you're saying about Adams, he, sh he should be starting games, 
for Scotland. It's just whether you put him with Dykes or not, or uh, you stick with Christie. So I think he's got a headache, Clark, a major headache for this this game on Friday. I would say, I would predict maybe about four changes he'll make for, for that game. Because we're, we're not out of it yet. If we get a draw at Wembley and beat Croatia, you can, they can still still go through. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. So on this on this podcast today, we have an ex-Scotland manager, two sports journalists based in Scotland, and myself, who actually supports Wales, owing to my um, my Welsh father. So we're going to press ahead and talk about England, believe it or not, and and, uh, and analyse. <laughs> That's too much for Mister Craig Brown, but. Um, <laughs> Graham, we'll uh, we'll start with you because although you do live up in Scotland and have a fondness for them, you are in fact English. Um, a really good performance by England against Croatia at Wembley in the searing heat. Um, the selection before the game, uh, Gareth Southgate was getting a, a bit of a hammering on on social media and whatnot. Trippier at left back, um, Southgate vindicated in the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think. Um... I, I'm I'm loath to criticise things before things have happened on, on Twitter, but I went against my, my usual rule and, and was like, Calvin Phillips, oh, not for me, not for me. And it just shows you how much I know about football and why I probably shouldn't be writing about it because um, he was man of the match far and wide. But um, I think a lot of people discussed Croatia like they're not the side that they were. And then I seen the lineup and I was like, well, hang on, there's some pretty pretty tidy players and still there. I mean, Luka Modric hasn't had a bad career and he's still... Still looks as fit as a fiddle at 35. Um, I think it was really impressive. I think it wasn't... I heard a few people saying that there's nothing to... Like opposition fans saying England's nothing to worry about. But as an England fan, you know, first and foremost, if I'm completely honest, like watching it, I felt we just controlled the game. And you very rarely see that from England in the first game of a tournament. Um, I know we beat Tunisia last minute. And I know... It's the first time we've won in the in the Euros like first game, but I just felt like we controlled it, and that was without Grealish and a few other players as well. So for me, it was really positive, but it has things that can be built on top as well. Um, the fact that like people were saying Sterling maybe shouldn't play, and I I think there's an argument for that of why he wasn't going to play. Just tells you the abundance of talent we have, but I'm still a little bit worried against the better, like the re- like the Frances, the Spains, who you're going to have to meet if you're going to go further in the tournament. I'm just a little bit worried about that defence, though. And, and Craig Brown, just to to nail down um, the, the Southgate discussion, I mean, hashtag Southgate out was trending on Twitter when the team was revealed. Fast forward 90 minutes in England have won a game and everyone's saying that football's coming apparently home. I mean, what's that pressure like as a manager? I suppose you won't have had the social media backlash um, in your time with Scotland manager, but it's a, a perilous position at times, isn't it? It is, John. It's, <laughs> it's not the most comfortable position if your team's not doing well. But it's a privilege to be the manager of your national team. And I was lucky. I had 70 games as a manager. And at least as many as the assistant, you know, with Sir Alec and with the Andy Roxburgh. So, I mean, I've, I've loved it. And it's a great privilege, I've got to say. Now, I see, and I think uh, Gareth Southgate's done a marvellous job as the England manager. I genuinely do. I think he's been very unfortunate in the last tournament, but uh, he's got a real chance for this team he's got. I watched them the other night, and uh, I thought they were exceptionally good. Uh, It it was a narrowish win, but, uh, you know, the performance was good, and he's got great resources there, wonderful players uh, to choose from. So... You know, I, I would envy him if I were a manager of any other country. And I think what he's got, 
is a togetherness in the group. Now I'm hearing and I'm hoping I'm maybe right that Croatia don't have that now. They used to have it, but there seems to be dissension. And this is from Croatian journalists that uh, you know they're not a happy uh, traveling group. So I hope that's the case when they, when they come to play at Hamden. But you know, England, uh, I've got to be in any tournament, England are one of the favorites, obviously, and uh, rightly so because they've got wonderful resources. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I know Madison quite well because uh, I was at Aberdeen, I still am, Aberdeen Football Club. We had Madison alone. And, uh, you know, he scored a wonderful goal from a free kick against Rangers, which made him a hero in the northeast of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I saw him, at, at, uh, he was younger then, but he came up and loaned to Aberdeen and I thought, what a player he is. And he's just one of Foden. You know, when you think of them, you, you can rattle them off. And of course, the more experienced, like Sterling, who performed so well the other night, it's he's got an abundance of riches, Gareth. And I think he's a superb manager. And how important do you think that experience of Gareth Southgate is now? Because he's got so much tournament experience now, both as a player and as a manager with the under-21 group, and obviously in the last World Cup, how valuable is that experience going into a major tournament? Well, I'm sure it is. I'm sure, you know, I don't like to tempt fate, but if it came to penalty kicks, this experience <laughs> is not positive, it's negative. And if it's penalties, if it, if it, if it against Scotland, I would hope he would do the same. But not, not really. I'm being, I'm being jocular there. But uh, his experience is invaluable. I'm sure of that. And I know, I must admit that when we played uh, England, uh, the last time I was with the team against England, we were down at Wembley and Don Hutchison scored the goal that uh, managed to win the game. My instructions were to our goalkeeper and to our players, I said, if you're playing it long, you know, we did like to play, build it from the back. But if you're sending the ball long, put it in the top of Gareth Southgate. And Don Hutchison will abuse him. And Don, Don battered him a bit, you know, ran into him and stumbled. And it was an accident, of course. <laughs> and he gave him a hard time because Gareth Southgate was a wonderful footballer, but he wasn't a tough guy. You see, they used to have Adams and Keown. And these two are two abrasive animals. You know, they would sort you out. But uh, Gareth Southgate was a footballer, and that was the difference. So we tried to play on him a wee bit in terms of if we had somebody to rough him up. And then we had Billy Dodds, a young, another young striker up there who was in about his feet as well and busy and, and fearless as well. So uh, I think you asked him about a player and a manager. I'm saying to you, as a player, he was elegant and good. But I think as a manager, he's excellent, absolutely superb. It's not an easy job being the England manager. And I've known some of them personally. Uh, I'm proud to say one of my good friends in football was Sir Bobby Robson. And I loved conversation with uh, Bobby. And then, of course, uh, Glenn Hoddle. When I was with the Scotland team, Glenn Hoddle was a manager. And we had Terry Venables, the manager. We had uh, uh, Kevin Keegan, England manager. I knew them all, luckily, because I would go to courses. I would go to matches watching opponents in Europe. And, uh, I, you know, I'd be privileged to sit beside them. That's how I got to know Bobby Robson sitting at a game in Amsterdam, and it was great. Listen to him, fantastic. But I better let the others speak. I'm going on and on here. because <laughs> I'm, I'm quite enthusiastic about England managers, and not about England because I'm patriotic. You know, I'm, <laughs> I want England to win every game except when they're playing Scotland. 
No, there's no need to apologise for going on because we uh, we love to hear it. But I'll move on to, to Craig Goldthorpe. Um, Mr Brown mentioned there the embarrassment of riches that Gareth Southgate has at his disposal. Grealish, Foden, Rashford, Kane, Calvert-Lewin, Sterling, to name a few. Looking ahead to Friday, uh, Mr Goldthorpe, who sort of worries you the most as a as a, a Scotland fan? Yeah, the guy that worries me the most is Phil Foden, to be honest with you. Yeah, I just think... His trickery and skill, you know, his going to be a real handful. That that's that's what you're worried about. You're, uh, you know, England do have an embarrassment of riches. That that's a fact, and uh, it makes you wonder about Steve Clark's tactics on uh, Friday, because you know they're that strong up front. You're half thinking Scotland may as well have a go. What's the point sitting back and you know? Because <laughs> he he just needs to pick the right forward players this time to give us more of an opportunity. I think because. What gives you a bit of hope is that for the first time in many, many years, arguably since Craig's days as Scotland manager, we've actually got quite a number of guys playing in the English top flight. We've not had, you know, in, in for about 15, 20 years, it's been guys playing in the English Championship, by and large, that have been playing for Scotland. But now we've actually got depth. You know, these guys are playing against the top men, like your Phil Foden's, your Harry Kane's, week in, week out. They have belief that they can actually beat them. So why not? Give them a go. There's an argument for playing young Gilmer. He just won the Champions League. You know, beating, <laughs> beating Foden's team, albeit Billy Gilmer never got in the park. But you know what I mean? He's, he's got that. So, uh, there's a lot to be said for that. If you think that you're as good as on a par with these great players, then that gives you half a chance. I think he does need to shuffle the pack a wee bit on Friday, Steve Clark. And of course, it might be a little bit cliched to say, but I genuinely do think it makes a difference. It's England, Scotland. It's, you know, it's a bit like, say, England, Scotland in the Six Nations, England, Scotland in the European Championships at Wembley on this island. There's big pressure on that game. And you would sort of say the form book goes out the window a little bit, wouldn't you? It's it's such a high pressure cooker match. Scotland have every chance. No, you're right. Well, if you look at the overall records, you know, between the countries, I think it's pretty close in terms of wins. Side, and it's you know, it's a lot to do with the fact that that is the biggest game for a Scottish person is to get against the English and show that you know, it's the small country sort of complex, much smaller country, much less population. You really want to prove yourself and go up against them, and uh, <laughs> that, that can make a big difference as well. You know, the, the disappointing thing is that I was having a look at the, the rankings, world rankings, the Czech Republic are ranked 40th in the world, Scotland 44th. Croatia are ranked 14th and England are ranked 4th. So you're thinking, if we were going to qualify, we had to win today and we haven't. So we now need to produce a shock. <laughs> but you never know. Sometimes that's, being a Scottish fan, that's what it's been like over the years. Craig will tell you, you know, back in the day, uh, we lost to Costa Rica, then beat Sweden in a World Cup and then nearly got a draw against Brazil. You know, <laughs> out in normal. that's the kind of thing we do. So don't be surprised <laughs> if we get something against them. Yeah. No, as a, as a Wales fan, I completely understand. Graham, how are you seeing the game on Friday? Do you, do you think it'll be a cagey affair or do you think both teams might open up? I think, to be honest, I'm probably in a, a lucky position, whereas, as we've mentioned before, despite me wearing a Scotland shirt, I, I am English, but I'll be Scottish when I'm, I'm really not playing England pretty much. Um, so I suppose I'm sitting in a privileged position where I've got like a lot of my Scottish friends going, oh, that's it, you'll beat us 5-0, 6-0, it'll be a, a hatful on Friday and... And I'm looking and I'm saying, no, from, from an English perspective, that's really not the case. Like, Scotland have got one of the better sides I've had, you know, since since your day, uh, your day Craig, you know. And um, obviously, I took those games in, the playoff games, and I took in U96. And these games are 
any derby game, you'll get one game in about 20 that to one side just wipes stuff over the other. But it very rarely happens. They're dead tight. And I mean, you look back at you in 96 and Gascoigne, arguably, in my opinion, the greatest player that England have ever had. Um, without his genius, yeah, you could see England would have won 2-0. But Gary McAllister puts that penalty in and you were 96. And then you never know where that might have happened or that changed. And the game after that, we went to Hamden, won 2-0, Paul Scholes, two-headed, if I, if I remember correctly. And obviously, I remember Don Hutchison because as a Sunderland fan, we signed him about two months or three months later. So... Um, and that game was Scotland roll over and it was, it was very narrow could have gone either way Scotland could have got two could have went at extra time then you look at the other games um, I think we played each other at Wembley for the first time in ages 3-2 Scotland take the lead twice you look at the game at Hamden four year ago or so 2-2 three goals in the last minute or something these games are never it doesn't matter who's on the park and the, and the quality um, they were always tight but I think I think it would be wrong if any England fan, and I'm, I'm sure the team won't go into that game thinking Scotland are, don't have the quality to match England because they certainly do. They certainly do. Yeah, as, as a Sunderland fan, I've never quite forgiven uh, Don Hutchinson for signing for, uh, for West Ham, but that's another story. Craig Brown, the last time Scotland played England in a major tournament, Euro 96, you were the manager, as Graham's touched on their dramatic game, Gary McAllister's penalty. I was going to say miss, but it was saved, wasn't it? Gaza's goal, the celebration. What are your memories of that day? It must have been an, an incredible experience looking back, although a disappointing one at the time. Yeah, it was uh, very disappointing. But, uh, you know, we enjoyed the tournament and we felt that, uh, you know, if, if Gary had scored with a penalty, and he, he says this, he thinks that uh, we might have gone on to win the game because we were beginning to get in the ascendancy in the game. But uh, I totally agree with things that Graham's just said there, particularly regarding Gascoigne. I mean, Gascoigne was absolutely fabulous as a player up here in Scotland. And anywhere you saw him, you know, when he went even to over to uh, Italy to play, he, they loved him there. They loved him in Glasgow when he played here. And we loved him all the time, except when he scored that goal, put it over Colin Henry's head and potted it brilliantly. Now, that was fantastic. So, you know, I think... Uh, I heard Craig saying earlier that now we are getting players from the the championship and uh, sorry from the premiership in England, not the championship. Now that's very very important because the players now we've got are playing at the highest level, and they uh, were hoping that we'll introduce Shea Adams uh, because he's been playing very well in the premiership according to television that I see. Now I was very lucky when I had the team. I had three players in the Scotland squad from the champion team of England, not just any team, the champion team at that time was Blackburn Rovers. And we had Henry, we had Billy McKinley in midfield and Kevin Gallagher from the, then we had Gary McAllister went to Liverpool at the end of his career and having won the championship with Leeds, he goes to Liverpool, wins three trophies in one season. Now that's the level and Paul Lambert wins the Champions League with Borussia Dortmund. So these are the the standards that I was lucky enough to have. Now, I'm looking at the boy like Tierney and I'm looking at Robertson, who's got that great record at Liverpool and the big fellow uh, from Manchester United, McTominay. We're getting there. And uh, Craig, my, my namesake, Craig Goldthorpe, is, incidentally, Craig Goldthorpe's father was an outstanding striker for Motherwell, just in case he's too modest to tell you. And I can tell you, because his father was brilliant, and he, John Goldthorpe. So I had the greatest respect, because I was assistant manager for a time at Motherwell. 
and we had a very good team, and it was headed up front by Goldthorpe. Anyway, that's <laughs> sorry to embarrass you, Chris. I had to say it because he, he was a, a brilliant player. Uh, if we could put him in the Scotland team just now, and they could score a goal, I'm telling you, score a goal or two. And then, I've been Graham's been talking about Sunderland. You mentioned Sunderland, Graham, am I right? Yes, indeed, me yeah. and James. Well, I'm going to tell you, I phoned Peter Reid one time, and I said, Peter, I'm picking a Scottish team, can you help me? I said, ah, I'll help you if I can, I like you, Peter. And I said, what about, yeah, I was thinking of picking Alan Johnson. Oh, and he just growled. And I cannot tell you, I honestly cannot tell you what he said because we're on, uh, we're on a, a line here. I think the, the, the line would be cut off the, the way Peter described Alan Johnson. <laughs> and it was because he wouldn't sign a new contract. I remember that. Uh, well, Peter was raging. You know? So, anyway, I, I managed to pick him sometime afterwards. And we played Germany in a friendly. And I'm not joking, the best player on the pitch, this was in Bremen, friend, was Alan Johnson. Magic, they called him. Yep, Magic yeah, Johnson. Yeah. Player. And, he, and he passed the ball for Don Hutchison. And Don potted it. So he had beaten this fullback inside out. You know, the fullback had to pay to get back into the game. The German <laughs> fullback, Novotny, I think he was called. <laughs> and, and we, uh, Alan Johnson, roasted him and laid it on for Hutchison, and Hutchison scored the only goal of the game. So we won one nothing in Germany. Then we won one nothing. And so Don Hutchison, as he said, big Don, nice, lovely big guy, said, I kept you in a job, Craig. I said, well, we did. <laughs> Modest. We, we, two, we beat two major European nations, and you scored the goal each time. <laughs> But uh, sorry, I had to tell you, uh, Graham, oh, no. about, uh, Alan Johnson. My favorite, my favorite, my favorite Scottish Sunderland player of all time is Alan Johnson. So there you go. I'm pleased you mentioned him, Greg. Was he? Oh, that's. I oh, loved him. I was born '86, so he was prime. Obviously, James, you remember Magic Johnson as well. We was. Yeah, Magic. yeah. I was. I'm a, I'm a bit. Uh, I'm a little, tiny little bit younger than Graham, but um, I think we uh, we look back on that Sunderland team with a lot of fondness, especially the the Peter Reid. We love a good Peter Reid story, don't we, Graham? Peter, I, yeah. I love Peter right. too. Peter, Peter uh, was great for language development. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a few. I learned a few football phrases from Peter. <laughs> yeah, I can, ima- I, can, I can well imagine. I can well imagine. Well, well, we'll move on to the latter stages of the podcast. And um, while this is a, a very light-hearted look at the Euros, and we're, we're all having a wonderful time with Craig Brown here and having a laugh, a laugh, it would be remiss of us not to mention Christian Eriksen and wish him well and uh, a swift recovery in the future. What were your thoughts watching that horrible incident unfold, Craig? Have you ever had ever seen anything like that as a manager or had any experiences like that? Uh, sadly, I have. Uh, I wasn't at the match, but it was well publicised and he was a good player and a good friend called Phil O'Donnell, played for Motherwell. Now, Craig, Craig Goldthorpe, the other Craig, the young, good-looking Craig, he will tell you more about it, but John, uh, the, the, the player, Phil O'Donnell, uh, he died during the game. And, I mean, that was tragic. And another one that uh, we'll probably hear from Craig as well, uh, Davy Cooper. Now, it wasn't during a match, if my memory's right, about Davy Cooper. So we've had two tragic occasions. Phil O'Donnell, he was playing for Celtic at the time. He'd, he'd been transferred from Motherwell to Celtic. And the nicest guy in the world, and Davy Cooper the same, the most modest, humble guy, and Davy uh, died on the football pitch 
with the ball at his feet, but it, I think it was a training session. I need that confirmed by Craig Goldthorpe. But so I've seen it before. But I, can I can I compliment the? Uh, I thought the players of the Danish team were outstandingly courteous and dignified, and, and the dignity they showed was incredible. It's surrounding the ball, the player that was ill, hiding hiding him from the cameras, and I thought it was a a real credit to Danish football. Goldthorpe, I suppose your your thoughts on on that moment and the and the preceding coverage and you know a word to the the medical staff as well who ultimately without them we're looking at a, a tragedy rather than a, a horrific episode. Yeah, well, I was sitting watching that the other night, and what Craig Brown's saying there is uh, correct about Phil O'Donnell. I was in the crowd at Fir Park. It was a Motherwell Dundee United game, two thousand and seven, and Phil had had a brilliant game that day and he was getting substituted, and he held up his captain's armband into the air in the middle of the park before walking off, and he just collapsed. And the whole ground just descended into a hush. It was horrific. Everyone was, just couldn't believe it, and he was the game was continuing as he was rushed to the local hospital. And uh, we ended up winning that game 5-3. We were brilliant that day. 5-1 up, and they scored a couple of late goals. So 5-3, going home, putting on Sky Sports. Phil O'Donnell has died. And... Uh, it means that if there's ever any incident like that, it puts a shiver down my spine. I was in the pub watching that the other night, and I was, no, I can't take this. This is just an absolute nightmare. And uh, the coverage was criticised. It's a TV coverage where it was zooming in, and you could see what was happening in the footage of the girlfriend distraught and the players all crying and praying. I felt horrific that night, what? Because it brought back memories of Phil O'Donnell. If I if I'm at a football game and anyone goes down, you know, and there's any doubt about it, I'm. You know, because that's one of the worst moments of my life is seeing the captain of your football team die on a football pitch in front of you. It's uh, nothing worse. I'm actually cracking up just thinking about that. And uh, what Craig's saying about David Cooper, he was, uh, they were filming a TV show. He was put, both O'Donnell and Cooper were in the Motherwell team in 1991 that won the Scottish Cup, the last Motherwell team to win anything. And David Cooper collapsed and died. They were filming a TV show. And that was him. It was an aneurysm. So, that was in the mid-90s. So dreadful stuff. Uh, but what I will say about how it was handled by the Danish squad and the medical team was tremendous. And I couldn't be happier that Ericsson uh, hopefully has pulled through from that. And I said a prayer for him on Saturday night. I think most people did. So thank God that he pulled through. And well done, everybody. The Danish captain deserves a mention because he resuscitated him, didn't he? So, aye. Let's hope that Ericsson pulls through. Yeah, a, a real sad moment. Um, the the Craigs have mentioned that the medical staff and the the Danish support, the Danish um, the Danish players. Graham, do you think that game should have gone ahead given what transpired? I know it was it was sort of um, it was murky in the, in the moments afterwards. Nobody should, whether should, was sure whether it was a, a UEFA directive or whether Denmark had decided to play the game. It transpired that they were offered. Um, to play the game the next day or to play it straight away. They decided to do it straight away. Even that even that sort of offer from UEFA, to me, seems a little bit um, insensitive. What, what did you make of the decision? Yeah, I think at the time, it's, 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 it's not the same situation, but I've had um, two people particularly close to me who play football, um, obviously not at the same level. Um, and they've had sort of parents that have died literally hours before the game and 
It's a case of you know one or two people find out and, and they say you know don't don't play the game and say no I want to play I want, I want to do it for them like and you know and, and thankfully Christian Eriksen the worst didn't happen he was he was stable and and stuff like that and I thought well if he said boys oh, you know go out and play do it for me or, or they've said let's do it for him I thought well you know fair enough but there was a part of me that felt like UEFA should have took it out of their hands really. Um, but then I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to judge whatever any team or individual feels like doing. But then you find out that decision, like you've just said there, it wasn't like they were offering to play. It was a case of you got to, like, you can play this tonight or you can you can play it tomorrow. That's not really their decision to play, in my opinion. That's them being given an ultimatum and then saying, well, we might as well get it out of the way. And I was I was speaking to um, speaking to my boss about it. Um, during the game, because I'm really thankful that I went Asda for five minutes and missed the majority of the incident and all of the footage and stuff like that, but it still affected me. I'm just so pleased I didn't see the stuff that the Zoom did on, which I don't think should have happened. Um, but I watched the second half or the, la- the last um, 50 minutes or so, what, what was left, and I mean, the, the captain got took off and he, you could see why he was taken off. He couldn't play, his mind's not there. I mean... Yeah. Say you went to the shop and you've seen that happen to someone at the shop. I don't think I could continue with my shopping. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I would just go home and get my head together. You're talking about a worldwide audience of millions of people watching you play. And you've just, you're wondering how you, A, your friend is, and B, you've almost just seen your friend die and in front of your eyes. Um, I, I certainly couldn't have done it. And you know what? Massive kudos for them for having the strength to do it. But I, I just don't think that decision should have been put in their hands and when you find out it was more like an ultimatum and it makes it even worse i think i, th- I think y- you ask the players what they want to do you don't give them two dates to play it yeah certainly not uefa's finest hour not broadcasting's finest hour but i think we can all agree that um the two teams involved in the sets of fans involved it was definitely their finest hour because they were marvelous the, the stadium coming together to, to sing that was Chris, amazing. Christian yeah. and then Ericsson was a was a, a real moving moment. We'll uh, we'll round off with some score predictions on a lighter note. Obviously, the big game Friday, as we all know and have touched on, England v Scotland at Wembley Stadium. It's an eight o'clock kickoff, isn't it? Which just seems nuts to me. There's going to be so many drunk, drunk people up and down the country. It's um it's unreal. But uh, Graham, we'll start with you, and then we'll we'll move to Craig Goldthorpe and then Craig Brown to finish us off. What are your predictions for the England Scotland game? Uh, the first prediction is that I'm certainly going to drink less pints than I did at the fan zone yesterday because I, I realised I cannot handle six or seven pints after uh, 15, 16 months of lockdown. Definitely out of practice. It's a marathon, um, but, not a sprint as well. Yeah, well, absolutely, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to sound weird because it's obviously a video podcast and I'm wearing a Scotland shirt, but um, I've made my points clear. I, I think England probably just have a little bit too much for Scotland, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's an England fan. I take a draw. I, I think it's a tricky start of all the three. Um, people can disagree with me on that, but your trickiest games tend to be your derby games, and it's the old enemy, isn't it? I, I think we'll narrow it 2 0, 2 0, 2 1. Um, I think just the ability to change things if things aren't going perfect, say Scotland go 1 0 up. A bit like the Wales game in Euro 2016, that was the Welsh team were well up for the first half and took a 1 0 lead. Don't, don't like to talk about that one. Oh, you did all right that tournament, to be fair. So, you know, it worked out in the end for you. It's not, definitely not for us. Um, but I think I think the fact that we can change it and rather than bring on like Vardy and Sturridge, we can now bring like the Grealishes and, and depending on who starts, the likes of Sterling, whoever could come on and, and change a game. And I think that would just be a little bit too much for Scotland. So 2-0. 
Greg Goldthorpe, your prediction for Friday, please. Well, I'd be lynched if I didn't say Scotland would get some. That they get. <laughs> I would say one each. Yeah, I would certainly. I would be delighted with a draw. That would be fantastic if we could do it. Because, uh, England, we spoke about Scotland having as good a team as they've had for a while. I think the same is true with England. This squad is an excellent squad, full of pace. And they're on their home pitch with the majority of the crowd. So, <laughs> but, I mean, we've done it before. We went to Paris a few years ago and won 1-0 with a great goal by James McFadden. You know, I'm sure we beat the Dutch one time, albeit it was at Hamden uh, in a big game, and the Dutch are a great team. So going way back, we've beaten teams, you know, Holland in 1978, beat them, nobody gave us a chance, you know. So Scotland can raise their game, and if they raise their game and they get a bit of luck, yeah, why not? We could get a draw, still say that. And Craig Brown, finally, your, your predictions, can they do it? <laughs> Will they do it? <laughs> well, I'm going to give it the reverse of a score that... Uh, uh, sticks in the throat in Scotland. I'll, I'll reverse the score, and that will be England three, Scotland nine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my that would be my hope, but that's not my predicted score. Unfortunately, <laughs> I remember that score the other way around. But uh, I would I genuinely think Scotland can get something, can get a draw down uh, at Wembley, and I would I would hope that uh, they'll do so. And I think there'll be goals in the game. I, I'm, I'm going for two each. Two for England, two for Scotland. And a very good game, exciting game, which uh, enhances the whole European Championship. Well, Craig Brown, thank you um, so much for joining us. I hope you've had a, as good a time as we have because we've really enjoyed your company tonight. Yeah, enjoyed you. Thank you. We Could Be Euros will be bringing you a light-hearted look at all the action across this summer's tournament. This series is produced by JPI Media and this episode was hosted by me, James Copley, football writer for the Sunderland Echo. This week's show featured Graham Falk of The Scotsman and the Edinburgh Evening News, Craig Goldthorpe of the Motherwell Times and very special guest, former Scotland player and manager Craig Brown. The show was produced by Mark Wilson, music is provided by Gentleman Jackals. Check them out on Spotify now. Head over to nationalworld.com for your latest Euros news and analysis and follow us on Twitter at National World and on Facebook at National World UK.